Amen. I love those, those pieces that we do, but I always have to follow them up. And that's not the good part for me. Um, that was amazing. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you so much. Thank you for your call in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be here. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would change us to be more like you. So Lord, again, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you will speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our loving, gracious Savior. Amen. Well, good morning. I want you to take your Bibles and your apps or whatever you read on and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pews around you. Grab one of those. If you're not sure where Luke is at, uh, turn to your table of contents, uh, and it's in the big section called the New Testament. It is the third book of the New Testament, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. You're going to want to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Now, as you're turning there, have you ever received just news that you wanted to shout from the rooftops? Have you ever gotten some kind of news that uh, you were excited about and you just had this deep down desire to go tell someone? Um, maybe it was uh, some great announcement. Maybe it was you found out you were pregnant or something along those lines. Maybe grandbaby was coming or something like that. Um, I know when uh, I found out that uh, we were going to have our boys, uh, our boys are seven years apart. Uh, so I have a nine-year-old and a two-year-old. And when my first child, when we found out we were pregnant, we were elated. We were so excited. We just wanted to tell everybody as soon as we could that we were pregnant. Um, now, it was mixed news amongst my family because we found out we were pregnant. And then the very next day, I graduated with my master's degree and packed a moving truck to move across from Texas to Arizona. So for my family, it was mixed news because Yay, we're having a grandbaby, and we're moving 15 hours away. Yay! So, but then, fast forward seven years later after my first son was born, uh, we had begun the process of becoming foster parents because we had had trouble getting pregnant, and we just felt God's calling to be uh, foster parents. And so we began the process uh, late in 2016, um, I turned 40 in, in February of 2017, and about two weeks after that, about two weeks before our foster care license was finalized, it's a Sunday morning, I'm getting ready to preach the last service at the church that I was at at the time, and I just shot a quick text to my wife and said, hey, how's your morning going? And uh, she responded back, oh, it's great, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of had some suspicion that we were pregnant, but we didn't really think we were because we just had so much trouble getting pregnant. And so I just haphazardly, as I'm about to take the stage, shot a text to my wife and said, hey, so did you take that pregnancy test? And she said, yes, we're pregnant. And I went, <laughs> I got to go on the stage and preach now. Wonderful. Good news. Yay. And in that moment, I had to preach. And it was a great sermon. But I didn't want to give a sermon. I wanted to shout from the rooftops, I'm having a baby. But I couldn't because I didn't have my wife's permission. We had just 
found out. Have you ever had news that just made you so excited and you wanted to shout it, but maybe you had to hold back or maybe you had to keep it within a tight circle of people? Well, today we're going to look at something like that. We're going to look at the stories of the announcement to Zechariah and Elizabeth of the, the pregnancy and birth of John the Baptist, and then what happens with Mary after she receives her announcement. Now, I preached on her announcement last weekend, uh, so if you weren't here and didn't catch that, you can go online and, and listen to that message there. But if you were to read Luke chapter 1, you were to read the first 25 verses. Uh, so the very beginning of Luke chapter 1, you would read about this priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah was uh, elected to go into the temple to, to give the burning of incense that morning. And so he walks into the temple and there's a man standing there. Now, the temple in this day and time was the holiest place in all of Israel. It was a huge, massive temple. Herod had built it. It was one of the great wonders of the world in that day and time. It was covered in solid gold. So uh, there were stories of historians, Greek historians that would travel to Israel to go see this building. And they said that when the sun was out and it was daylight, that the gold shined so much that you had to cover your eyes. This place was guarded constantly. No one could just walk in without permission. And for, so for Zechariah to walk into that building and there be a man standing there, Zechariah knew that there was something going on. Uh, and so he, he approaches this man and, and asks what's, going hap what's happening, what's going on. And the angel, it turns out it's an angel, the angel announces to him, you're going to have a baby. Now, Zechariah was very old. Uh, the, the Bible says was well past the age of having children. And so Zechariah's like, um, maybe you don't understand how old I am. Maybe you don't understand who I am. Maybe you don't understand that we've never had kids. How can this be? And the angel goes on to explain that the baby that they're going to have is special. He is to be set apart. And he is going to be the, the voice of Isaiah telling, preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And so you can read about that again. That's Luke uh, chapter 1 all the way through verse 25. But then after verse 25, like we talked about last week, an angel visits Mary and announces to her that she is going to have a baby and he is going to be uh, great and he's going to be called the son of the Most High. And then Mary decides to do something. So I want you to take your Bibles. Look with me in Luke verse 36, or chapter 1, verse 36. Chapter 1, verse 36. So this is the angel speaking and it, the angel says, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now go down to verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So, just want you to notice something here. Zechariah and Elizabeth are pregnant. They're very, very old. Mary is very, very young. Both of these two people, Elizabeth and Mary, are supposed to not be able to have children. Mary never, never having been with a man, and Elizabeth being well past childbearing years. 
And now both of them are pregnant. Now another side note, these two are relatives. Elizabeth and Mary are relatives. So let's continue going. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her room and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her, His promises to her. Isn't this interesting? I want you to notice what Mary does. So, so we've had this announcement. The angel has visited Mary, told her that the Messiah is within her. And what does Mary do? What is her first response? She packs up and goes and sees a relative. You see, there's something we need to take note of here. Mary shows us that we need connection. We need connection, every single one of us in this room. We are always in need of connection. Uh, if you go back to the message series that we had a few weeks ago, uh, we studied about uh, our mission statement and our four values. Four values are these, believe, grow, connect, and serve. Notice that third one, connect. Mary recognized that despite and, and because of the great news that she had been given, she needed to go and connect with someone. Connection is necessary in our life. She sought to connect with someone. She likely needed someone to encourage her, didn't she? She likely needed someone who would rejoice with her and would go through this with her. She stays with, her, with Elizabeth for a while. And so Mary needed someone to connect with in this moment. The same goes for us. We need connection. We need others. That's why Jesus created the church. So that we would have a body of believers, a group of other followers of Jesus to connect in with. You see, as followers of Jesus... We have not been created to live our faith out as hermits. Every single one of us as followers of Jesus. If you know Jesus and you follow him, we were designed on purpose by Jesus to be in connection with one another. We cannot live alone as hermits in our faith and expect to be spiritually healthy. That's not what God calls us to. And you can see this scattered all throughout God's Word, Old Testament and New Testament, that God calls us to be in connection with one another. And here's the thing. I want you to see what Elizabeth's response is. 42, verse 42. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What is Elizabeth's response in that connection? She lifted Mary up. She lifted the child that was within Mary up. 
She encouraged, she built up in that moment. You see, connection is not about getting something from someone else. Connection is about giving to someone else. Uh, and, And let's be clear here for a moment. All too many times, we build relationships with other people so that we can get something from them. That is not God's design for connection. God's design for connection is that when we build a relationship with another person, that relationship is designed and intentionally focused to give back. After all, what does Jesus say are the two great commandments? You go into Matthew 22. He's approached by a scribe. The scribe asks him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says the first one is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The idea being is that when we connect with other people, that that connection is not supposed to be selfish. That connection is supposed to be selfless. It's supposed to be a connection of giving. Now, let let me just recognize, sometimes... We're in a place where our connection does become selfish, and that's okay sometimes. There's sometimes when you're going through a very difficult time or a struggle or maybe a loss, of tra- a loss or a tragedy of some kind, and you need somebody to pour into you. That's fine. That's okay. As long as your primary focus overall, the, the big picture for your life, is not to take, 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 But your focus is to give when you build connections with others. You see, we're called to love others. Love God, love others. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but look out for the interests of others. Our connection is about them, not me. And so Mary goes and she visits Elizabeth. Now, this is not specifically tied into the focus. The focus this morning is about connection. But I can't preach on this passage and ignore something that is so clear, so black and white in this passage. Uh, so I'm going to chase a rabbit and then I'm going to come back to the idea of connection. I want you to notice who the very first person in existence is to respond to Jesus. Who's the first person to ever respond to the message of Jesus Christ? It is an unborn child. If you go and look at what takes place from 39, verse 39 through 45, the first person to ever respond to the message of Jesus is the baby John the Baptist inside Elizabeth's womb. Guys, we, we can't ignore this. There's something to this. How do we know that John responded well he responded clearly here how did he respond he responded through the holy spirit's revelation first corinthians 12 3 says therefore i want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of god ever says jesus is accursed and no one can say jesus is lord except in the holy spirit you see the holy spirit spoke to that fetus john in that moment, that unborn child. This is going to gain accolades with many of you. I realize that. But for some of you in this room, I understand this is a very touchy and very difficult subject. 
the, the topic of an unborn baby. But, but I want you to track with me here for a moment. This passage, along with many others, teaches us that an unborn life is valuable, that, that there is value to, to a pregnancy. You see, it's through an unborn baby that Jesus was first responded to. The unborn baby has design and meaning if we go and look at Psalms in the book of Jeremiah. So are children in general. If you go into Matthew 18 and and so many passages, there are interactions between Jesus and children. And every single one of those interactions, Jesus lifts up children as being a model to us as adults. And he actually goes so far as to condemn people and let's be honest for a second, Jesus didn't do a whole lot of the, the hellfire brimstone condemning, but he basically said, if any of you were to hurt or neglect a child like this, it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you throw yourself into a river. Jesus didn't make statements like that very often, but he makes it about the welfare of children. So children have value. So let me make some, some statements here, and then I'm going to move back into the idea of connection. I want you to first recognize we as followers of Christ are called to be pro-life. Life in general. And this is valuable to us. But let me be also very, very clear because we as Christians have gotten a bad rap and maybe bad rap's the wrong term. We have gotten uh, the reputation and probably rightly so that people know more about we're, what we're against than what we're for. So let me make it very clear. Yes, we're supposed to be pro-life, but if we're going to be pro-life, if you're going to go uh, and have conversations about uh, being anti-abortion and you're going to post on social media about being anti-abortion, that's great. That's, that is a Christian stance. But if you're going to take that stance, you better be pro-adoption and anti-poverty at the same time. Because we cannot build a system in this world that says we're going to get rid of all abortions, but we don't have some kind of system in place to love on those mothers and those new children. Do you know that there are over 20,000 children in this state that are sitting in homes in the foster care system right now? What happens in this world if and when adoption is illegal again, the, our state is going to be flooded with children that need homes. If we're going to be pro-life, we have to be pro-adoption, and we have to be anti-poverty. We have to look out for those who are less fortunate than we are. We have to look out for those mothers who simply don't have the financial resources to care for a child. We have to be pro-people if we're going to be anti-abortion. We have to love mothers. We have to love children if we're going to take that kind of stance. And here's the thing. Here's why I'm getting passionate about this. All too many times, all I see is anti, anti, anti. When I hear conversations and I see, see things online, but I don't see a whole lot of us fighting for the rights of those less fortunate than us. I don't see a whole lot of us talking and sharing things about adoption. Why is that? It's easy to get on a soapbox and cry out that abortion is the, the great crime of our century. We can do that. But guys, why wouldn't we also in the same breath 
scream out and fight for those lives who are in the foster care system and those mothers who are considering an adoption because they're financially not at a place where they feel they can take care of a child. Take a close look at what you're communicating and what you're actually fighting for. Are you fighting just against abortion or are you fighting for the love of people? Are you for those mothers? Are you for those children? Because ultimately, this is ultimately what we should be pro. We should be pro-redemption. And mothers, hear me on this. If you've gone through this difficult situation, please hear me. God has redemption for your life. There's not condemnation. There's not a path of just complete negativity and there's no hope. God always has redemption for your life. If you have been down that road, there is hope. There is forgiveness. There's mercy and love. And you hope you can have a community, a church body that will surround you with love and forgiveness and mercy and generosity. And so mothers, hear me. You always can have hope and redemption in Jesus. But we have to make sure we know what we're fighting for. Do we fight to lead people to the life-changing hope of Jesus? Do we communicate the life-changing hope of Jesus? Because ultimately, redemption is the point of everything that we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Everything we say, every action we take, every time that we give, those are called, those are directed, those are focused to God's redemption in our lives and the lives of others. The point of our existence is to point people to Jesus. Even if the person that we have the opportunity to point to Jesus, even if that person may have made a decision that was different than the one we have made, maybe the, their life is different than the life we've led or would want to lead. Whatever that is, every person is just like us. A sinner in desperate need of a Savior. You see, Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died on a cross, shedding His blood, not so that the good could be saved. He died on a cross because every single one of us are sinners and we need His salvation. Ultimately, we exist to lead people to that. We exist to lead people to Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. You see, this is the point. This is my big idea this morning. Our connection points others to His redemption. The way we connect to one another points other people to Jesus Christ. The way we connect to God here on Sunday mornings and in our day-to-day -day life points people to the redemption of Jesus. The way we connect to the world around us, Christian or not Christian, points people to redemption. The goal, the, the, the focus, the reason we exist is to point others to the redemption of Jesus Christ. Now, look with me at Mary's response starting in verse 46. So Elizabeth has just given this really amazing 
uh, a prediction of what's going to happen. And, and she has been very excited and encouraging. And look at what Mary says in response. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Look at what she says here in verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. And then it goes on to say that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. You see, when Mary connected with Elizabeth, what happened? Elizabeth, in that moment, encouraged and lifted Mary up. And then in that moment, Mary turned and she praised God. She praised God because God helps the poor and needy. She praised God because He feeds the hungry. She praised God because God fights for those who can't defend themselves. She praised God because God gives mercy. God gives redemption. Our connection should be pointing people to that. So are you part of God's work? Are you part of the work of connection that that leads everyone to the life-changing hope of Jesus? That's the question today. Are you actively working to help the poor and needy, to feed the hungry, to fight for those who cannot defend themselves? Are you living your life with the lifelong focus of leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? That's the point. That's the reason we exist, is to lead everyone to Jesus, to the redemption that can only be found in Him. So... Are you ready through connection to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? That's the question I want to leave you with this morning. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you for today. But God, most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the redemption that he's given us. That redemption that we don't deserve, that we cannot earn, we thank you that you've given it to us. And Lord, we pray that in the abundance, in the over-blessing that you've given, the, the enormous amount of mercy and grace that you've poured out on us, that out of that you would help us to turn and give that mercy and grace to others so that others can experience the life-changing hope of Jesus, so that others can know the redemption that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to point others to you. Help us, like Elizabeth and Mary, through connection to make a difference in this world for you. We thank you so much. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.